Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. So today we're going to look at the P of the shape course, which is personality. Now, it was Hippocrates back in 460 BC who suggested that humans have a persona. And speaking of personas, here is one right here. Oh, hello. I think stubbornness is definitely a persona, which this little one has. Yeah, you're going to go with mummy, aren't you? There you go. And the sad thing with personality traits, it, it, you don't change. That, that's, that's the thing. So I'm stuck with that for life. Awesome. Stubbornness. So you can blame Rachel and I for that one. So Anyway, so personality. So Hippocrates, he discovered that humans have this personality. And now if you Google personality tests, there's a billion and one of them. You could do the DISC profile which I'll have to look up while so yes, dominance, are you a dominating person? Are you an influencer? There's a steady, are you conscientious? There's the classic Myers-Briggs, are you introverted, extroverted, a sensor or a judger? There's just so many different personality types out there. And while your personality, that's part of who you are, you, you can't really change that. If you're naturally introverted, <sighs> pretty hard to become extroverted. If you're a sensing type of person rather than a judging type of person, that's, that's really hard. It's part of who you are. It's part of how God has wired you. But what you can do is you can develop habits. You can develop attitudes that perhaps can take the worst parts of your personality and make it better. Now, this is a, what I guess researchers call a big fancy word in leadership's term, terminology, emotional intelligence. Have you heard that before? Emotional intelligence. Doesn't that sound romantic? Oh, let's learn about emotional intelligence. Now, emotional intelligence has been around for a while, and it's very different to, have you heard of IQ? Everyone knows IQ? That measures your, like, I guess, your academic intelligence. EQ is your emotional intelligence. I want to tell you a story. In 2007, there was an astronaut called Lisa Novak. Now, she was dating a fellow astronaut called Bill Ofstein. Now, Bill and Lisa, they trained together. They flew up into space together. Now, do you think astronauts are smart people? Yes. To be an astronaut, you're like the elite of the elite. You're like a genius times two. You don't have a specialty in one area, you have a specialty in two, maybe three areas. So anyway, Lisa and Bill are dating, yeah? Anyway, Bill meets another lady, Colleen, Colleen Shipman. He, she was a bit younger than Lisa, and so Bill and Lisa shacked up. Now, Lisa Novak didn't take this very well. Perhaps you remember this story. She put on an, ad, an adult diaper, what astronauts wear, and drove across the country and confronted Colleen Shipman. And she had, like, in his bag all these different weapons, pepper spray, and she confronted Colleen Shipman and sprayed 
pepper spray. No, anyway, she got caught and arrested. And what made the news? And if you type in Lisa Nowak, Nappy's astronaut, it comes up there. It's, I still remember it as a kid. And it led to this question as God, how could someone who is so smart, astronauts, Lisa Nowak had been into space several times. She trained with NASA for years and years and years. How could someone so smart do something so stupid? This is the difference between your IQ and your EQ. So what the big thing now is like, you can be as smart as you want, but if you don't have emotional intelligence, then you're really going to struggle in life. And there is a million and one definitions of emotional intelligence out there. And I won't go into them. You can just Google that. But what today is, what makes me think a lot is when I listen to things on emotional intelligence and listen to lectures, it kind of makes me think, huh, this sounds a lot like biblical wisdom. What secular um, I guess psychologists and leadership experts call emotional intelligence, scripture would use the Hebrew word chokmah. Chokmah. Let's say it together. Chokmah. Doesn't that sound good? Chokmah. Wisdom. And chokmah, it can be defined here, and this is in biblical Hebrew, it, it's to possess a skill. And if you think about wisdom as a skill, this is a life skill. A life skill that has application everywhere you go. And this is the point of the book of Proverbs and all of wisdom literature. It's to make you a person that can live like a wise person, can make you live justly and rightly. And lets you know how you are to approach a certain situation. Now, the wisdom literature books in scriptures, they include Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, And some even suggest the Song of Songs. And the purpose of wisdom is so how you know how you what you are to do at the appropriate time. Wisdom is all about timing. And in the classic passage in Ecclesiastes chapter three, I think everyone probably knows this. You've probably heard it at funerals. It says here from verse one, chapter three, verse one, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And what the teacher in Ecclesiastes is doing is giving us all of life. These are kind of basically the seasons in life that you are going to face. Now let's just take one for example. Okay, a time to heal and a time to kill. That sounds pretty intense. Let's just say here, you know, if, you, if there's time for warfare, you need to do that. Perhaps there are times where warfare is an appropriate response. A time to mourn, a time to dance. If you're at a funeral, perhaps it's not appropriate to be getting up there laughing and dancing. That doesn't show a lot of wisdom, 
does it. Perhaps you've known people who do this. They react wrongly to a situation. It's the point of Ecclesiastes. This is the classic view of a wise person, knowing how to respond to a season, to a time in life. And unfortunately, we have no control of this. Perhaps we would like our times of joy to be longer than our times of mourning. Perhaps the time for mending, we would feel, hopefully that's going to be longer than the time for killing. There is no certainty in life. That's what the teacher in Ecclesiastes does here in this chapter. shows there are seasons and we have no control over them. Only God controls them. And so because there's no predictability in life, you have to be wise enough to know how to respond. That's really the core of this passage. It's like, yeah, there are all these different seasons in life. How are you going to respond when that happens? Daniel Goleman, he's the father of emotional intelligence. He says, IQ does not prepare you for the turmoil or the opportunity life brings. The similar way, if you don't have wisdom, then you won't know how to respond to the challenges and difficulties in life. And if you read through the book of Proverbs, I always see a book about wisdom. It just hammers the importance of wisdom. Let's just read a few passages. Proverbs 4, 5. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Proverbs 8, 11. For wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. Proverbs 8, 19. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. Do you see a pattern here? What's the pattern here in Proverbs? What's it saying we should do as human beings? Get wisdom. If that's the only thing you remember from today, that's the most important thing. Get wisdom. And what's really, really cool about the Proverbs chapter 1 to 9 is that Solomon, the author, he takes on this persona as a father. And we, the reader, we are his son sitting at his feet, listening to all his wisdom. And because most boys only think about really one thing, it's women. Let's be honest, boys, you know, mine likes to think about women. What Solomon does is he gives us a choice. If you want to think about women, I want you to think about one important woman, Lady Wisdom. Think about her. She's the most important because there's another woman out there. We could call her Lady Folly. It's kind of a choice in life. Like two ways to live. Will you be a wise person or will you be a foolish person? Because wisdom brings life. Now, why is that important? So we've been told again and again why, why we need to have wisdom. But what does wisdom actually do? According to Scripture, the wisest man on earth, apart from Jesus Christ, was King Solomon. Now, on that night when Yahweh appeared to him in a vision and offered him whatever he wanted, what does Solomon say? You know what he says? What's he want? He wants wisdom. Now, I want you to put your ears on, okay? Uh, I'm going to ask you a question after this. 
is what Solomon says. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, by an only a little child, and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people, to distinguish good and evil. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? What's one of the key words I said in there? To distinguish what? Good and what? Evil. Now, think back to the Garden of Eden. What was the tree in the center of the garden? The tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. Okay. Now, this is a bit theoretical here, but one of the theories that Old Testament scholars have is that had Adam and Eve not listened to the serpent, had they actually kicked him out of the garden and said, no, we rule over you, not you. We don't listen to your false wisdom. We listen to God's. There's this theory that God probably would allow them access to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, what's being implied here is that Solomon is actually being given access to the wisdom that Adam and Eve tried to take illicitly. All right? We all know how it ends for Solomon. Let's just pretend we don't know how Solomon's life ended. At one point at the height of his reign, we're told here, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight, a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else that names all of these famous ancient people and his fame spread out to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He spoke about animals, birds, reptiles and fish. From all the nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. That's interesting. Solomon's an expert in plants and animals. Now, if you remember back in the garden, what does Adam do? What's his role in the garden with the animals? Pardon? Take care of him, but he does something too. He names them. And this is the point here is that the biblical author is trying to allude to is that Solomon is like a new Adam. This is what happens if you have wisdom. You bring back Eden. And so friends, when you open up your scriptures and you turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, guess where you're entering back into? Eden itself. And that's the intention. Proverbs 3.18 she, that's Lady Wisdom, is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And the one who is wise saves lives. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom helps us live as wise people, as righteous people, as people who understand good and evil. 
Particularly, too, as our personalities are inherent in us. I can't change them. If we have anger issues, if we have sexual temptation issues, if we struggle with these different things in life, this is the point of wisdom to help guide us, to help shape some of the traits in us so we can live as people that God intended all the way back in the garden. It's the point here. We get these little snapshots in Scripture of what wisdom does for people. One of the things wisdom does is it brings strength. Now, I have a prop this morning. So apologies to those on the live stream because I'm going to have to put my microphone down. So here is a 20-kilo kettlebell. Now, most of you could probably lift this, yeah? Like just lifting it up, it's... Anyone can pick this up. Anyone, any idiot can lose his cool. Any idiot can cave into sexual immorality. Any, any idiot can steal. But it takes great strength of character to hold the weight. And that's exactly what wisdom does. Proverbs 17, 14. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. And so on and so forth. Friends, this is the point of wisdom literature. Will you walk down the path of lady wisdom? Will you follow her? Will you be a person of great strength? I mean, it's, it's difficult. And this is the point. It's really challenging. But for those who do it, there is a tree of life waiting for them. Because the path of Dame Folly said any idiot can do that. But it takes great strength. It takes great character to do that. But we don't do that in our own strength, friends. Wisdom tells us here, way at the beginning of Proverbs chapter 1 from verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And again in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, fear, this seems like a terrible thing to have, doesn't it? Fearing God. But it's actually a really good thing. Fear brings restraint. Fear, fear holds us back from doing evil things. If, if you imagine you're an Israelite back on outside and you saw Yahweh's glory come down on that mountain fire, smoke, lightning. The earth is trembling and shaking. That's a terrifying experience. But then that same God says, I want to be in relationship with you. I want the very best for you. That's what fear of the Lord looks like. It's this recognition of God's holiness, of God's supremacy, of his hatred of sin and evil. Also, too, this awe of saying, well, this God wants to be my friend. This God wants me to experience a tree of life living within me. 
That's why the biblical authors, again and again, go this idea of fearing the Lord. Because fearing the Lord, that is great strength of character. They're able to hold and hold on in really difficult and troubling situations. We are able to use wisdom to write some of the worst personality traits within you to overcome sin and evil. In the New Testament, James, riffing off wisdom literature, one of my favorite prayers I pray all the time, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Friends, the irony of Solomon's life is he wrote the book of Proverbs, book of Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. The only one he didn't write was Job. But he wrote three books of wisdom literature in our Bibles. We all know how his life ended. Married 700 women and had 300 concubines and worshipped multiple gods. The man with all the wisdom in the world still failed. But we have a greater Solomon, Jesus Christ. And as the Apostle Paul says, is that in Colossians 2, 3, in him are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And it's that same Jesus, it's appropriate that it's actually Pentecost Sunday. It's that same Jesus that baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that gives us wisdom and discernment. Ability to fear God, to know right from wrong. Friends, will you pray with me? Lord, we just want to thank you for the wisdom that you've given to us and the wisdom that is here in your word. It's a wisdom that far outweighs anything that we humans can come up with. Father, I pray that in the personalities that you have created us with, the different aspects of who we are, that, Lord, that they do not define us, Lord, that we define by being recreated in your image, by the blood of your Son, washed with the Spirit that's within us. So, Father, I pray that we can be people who are wise, people who embody chokmah, and so, Lord, that we can live under the fear of the Lord and be a tree of life to those around us. I just pray all this in your Spirit's strength and power. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.